Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Oh. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new, so uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the well, sun Welcome back to Jackson. Jacks. I'm Tomorrow, Andrew on the board. SB Futures. My eyes are deceiving me here today. We have green on the screen instead of red. Up 40, NASDAQ futures up 147, down up 268. Uh, that would be a nice turnaround, get some pressure off some people here. Uh, we got ourselves uh, very well set up to the upside here. Uh, rolled our puts down, so if it wants to go up, that would be very, very nice. Makes you wonder if it will, but if it does, we'll be uh, we'll be leading the cheering squad. Do we have Mr. Carl? You, you most certainly do. How are you, bud? Thanks for coming on early on a Tuesday. Well, you know it is what it is. Yeah, the uh, I asked uh, Dan if he wanted to come on. He goes, "No, I'm driving across Florida to get out of the way of the hurricane, weenie." You know. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Well, actually, it looks like it's going to miss. It's going to. Well, not. It's going to kind of affect the uh, western side, but not a direct hit. And right now, the direct hit looks what north of Tampa or somewhere. Well, you know the. <laughs> That's uh, the 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 question becomes a matter of timing. Yeah, um, I used to pay an awful lot of attention to these things because I lived in the Panhandle for twenty years, and so uh, from June until uh, roughly November, uh, the tropics were first and foremost on my mind. And every day or two, I would take a look at the upper air environment and you know whatever was going on. And that's the problem right now is that. The upper air environment uh, is what steers these things. And so there is a very large high-pressure system that's diving south out of Canada, and that's the speed of that and the speed of the storm are the two things that determine exactly where it goes. And the challenge with the west coast of Florida is that you can be off by a degree or two on the angle of approach, and that'll be 50 or 100 miles. Well, yeah, I, I, I can't believe if you were, uh, you have to think that if you're living in Nova Scotia and you get whacked with a category three or four storm, it's not your year. I mean, you would never think that you were, that you were in, a li- in a line of fire up there. I wouldn't, but I guess. Well, no, actually, the, the Canadian Maritimes are very commonly hit with uh, remnants of things like that. That's and, and what a lot of people don't understand is that when those storms get up there into that into the higher latitudes, they they run into this thing called baroclinic forcing. Uh, they're not really hurricanes anymore. But it doesn't matter. It may as well be one because you know eighty knot winds are eighty knot winds, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> and, and so, I mean, uh, that's actually not that uncommon up there. And, uh, you know, everybody's, oh, this is so unprecedented. And, uh, no, it's not. Well, uh, I think a direct hit is, where it doesn't really hit anybody well, else. Well, yeah, but, but a direct hit is, is, you know, uncommon anywhere, right? I mean, you know, it, I, I, like I said, I lived in the Panhandle for 20 years, and you know, we came very close to getting hit by an ice storm. Ice storms have this, you know, we'll just start with I, have a history of being especially nasty in the Gulf. Uh, and Ivan was the one that came fairly close to pasting us. And, and fairly close, meaning about uh, 50 miles to the, the west. And it, it was ugly. It was, it was and, and Ivan was a huge storm. Yeah. And then shortly after that, the next year, Dennis shows up, and Dennis was actually much stronger, but it went in at half the distance away from me, and it rained a little at the house. <laughs> so, I mean, well, <laughs> these, things are, these things are wildly unpredictable, okay? Well, they're, they're uh, amazingly different in terms of breadth. Some of them are, you know, 400 miles wide, and some are very intense, but they're not that wide. It's, they're all kind well, of different. Well, that's, that's really the thing, is that the ones that, you know, the real question is not just how strong it is. It's, it's how big is it, because a very large storm that misses you by 30 miles is still going to whammy you, and, and yet a small storm that misses you by 30 miles yeah, okay, it, you know, it rearranges some of the branches that are, uh, you know, low-hanging and not in very good shape up in your trees, and that's about all. Well, I was thinking this morning, uh, Carl, as we, as we rally up here, and we can not, not worry for a second about the market going down to zero, I, I'm still convinced the Fed is worried about this Bitcoin and is, is propping the thing up, but did the guys from FTX, uh, did, did they, did they you get know, the... You the turn last night was most interesting. I, I made a little money playing around the futures last night alongside... Uh, got stopped out overnight. That's okay because it was a nicely profitable trade. I mean, when you take twenty handles off the table oh, yeah. on an overnight trade, that's not bad. Um, but the, the thing is, which what you saw yesterday was it was essentially all driven by currency moves. Well, yeah, except you still it's, it's driven kind of by a lot of stuff. I mean, we're we're uh, well, we're going to talk about that in the tents in a second. But some of these stacks. They're still high. I mean, I look at Costco 40 times there. I'm not telling anybody to sell Costco, but some of the stuff is still pumped up. I mean, it's not like uh, it can't be lower. Well, it's, it's utter, the, the valuations in an awful lot of places are still utterly ridiculous. And, and what I, I'll tell you what, if you're, not, if, if you're in specific names, you're not buying indexes, you know, you're, you're not in the spiders or whatever. If you're actually buying specific stocks and you have not gone through and looked at the debt structure and the term structure on that debt that those companies hold, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy to be in those names without having done that. And, and you know, because corporations, they all roll this stuff over. I mean, there was, I was listening to Tout TV yesterday afternoon because, you know, it's always fun to watch those guys go crazy when the market takes a big dump and uh and there they had a ceo on i don't remember what firm it was but he he said that uh you know right at the beginning of the pandemic he rolled all of his all the corporate paper they rolled all of it over and so he's you know he's good for another five six years before any of it matures and and he's laughing because 
you know, he's he's got a two percent coupon on something that today would cost him eight. Yeah. Uh, and so he's, you know, he thinks this is the best thing. And you know what? He he may be right, except for one problem. He better be able to dump that stuff over the next five or six years, or he's betting that we go back to this QE world before that happens, because he is running in an uneconomic position today. And yes, his stock will be fine for the next few years, but he is he is sitting on a time bomb. And if he does not have any way to retire that paper, when it rolls, he's done. And and that's there are so many people in corporate. I mean, you look anywhere, that's all you see is everybody played this game. And, and I get how it happened. Okay, for the last forty years, nobody's had to pay off anything. You just roll it over. The interest rate is lower than it was the last time you borrowed it. Therefore, the interest cost is less. Therefore, the impact on your balance sheet is lower. That means your earnings go up. That means you get a bigger multiple. The stock market loves you. The Dow goes up, you know, from from ten thousand to thirty thousand. The S and P goes from you know eight hundred to you know to four thousand, and and everything is beautiful and rainbows and, and skittles and unicorns. Well, well, not anymore. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that when you when you go that far. Yesterday it was. Kind of going nuts. Uh, I was ranting and raving about how when there's, uh, you know, when you have you, know, you have such a, a uh, an unusual situation, and I, I sort of you know recognized them because I, when I came into the business, interest rate was twelve thirteen percent and the Dow was eight hundred, so that was obviously a, 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 you know, a situation that was sort of unusual. And it's not like you know, most of the time, well, most of the time you you look at the market and you say, well, hope, you know. The stock's worth this or that, and you can debate whether it should be 16 vol or a PE or 14 or something, and and that's you know that's what makes a market right, and that's that's right. that's healthy. When you get to these extremes, you know where the uh, you know your interest rates are are one or two, and and you pump you know 40 percent money into the place in two and a half years, and everybody thinks they're a bull market genius, right? I mean, it's, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I mean really. But hey, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the currency stuff that has has been sort of uh, driving uh, the market. Uh, you know, you know what what exactly for most people who you just you know I won't say schlubs because we're all schlubs in this regard. You go to work and you and you basically get your check or whatever, and uh, and everybody's sort of happy. Everything's in dollars, and you really don't worry about it. But I kind of learned a little of this uh, early on. Carl, my stepfather was uh, in, involved in. Remember Waltham Watches and Hallmark Rings? He was a VP of Finance of that company. So they would they had a place over here on Canal Street in Chicago where they would they would uh, you know buy the movements. They was always you know pretty much Swiss owned, but they would buy the movement movements from the Swiss people because they made watches, duh. And uh, they would you know assemble them here, put them in the casings and so forth here. So they would actually have to buy them. They have to buy you know get the Swiss francs and and go buy the uh, and go buy the watches from Switzerland. And uh, right. one, one year we were like now, which is what the uh, the, the uh, British Central Bank is doing. We were pouring money into our system. This was bef- you know, a precursor to the Great Inflation. This is in the early seventies, and the Central Bank was pouring money in. We wanted to just went off the gold standard, and we were putting you know we wanted to pay for the Vietnam War with basically printed money, right? So no, none of this has changed. I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. 
So what people end up doing, now mind you, now this, this is going to boggle some people's minds, the, the, uh, the currency market every day is $6 trillion. Right. And, it, and it's, it's massive. It dwarfs stock markets around the world. I mean, it's, it's a huge thing. Because every time you make a trade with Japan, you've got to go buy the one, right? You can't just, can't just send them the dollars. Well, you, you could, I suppose, but then they would have to turn them into wine or else they can't spend them over there. So every time somebody makes a move overseas, somebody has to do this currency transaction. So TV and the radio, all they were doing about the dollar was going down every day, right? Because, of course, we're putting money in and nobody else is, and uh, which devalues your currency vis-a-vis other people. So what you're seeing here now is the first time with Britain lowering these taxes and doing stuff, the central banks are not acting together. They were acting right. together up until six, eight months ago. Now they're not. So now you're seeing these huge currency. But what ends up happening is the dollar was going down, so the Swiss francs are going up in terms of dollars, right? So my stepfather says, well, it looks like we're heading this way. We need to buy a million dollars worth of watches in June. So in March, they bought, or April, whatever the hell it was, they bought a forward contract. So they essentially bought their Swiss francs early, to lock in the price because they were going to put out their catalog with the watches and stuff in it, and they were going to say, uh, uh, you know, and it was, so they wanted they want to be able to price their stuff. You can't price it if two months if, if two months later when you actually pay the bill you're paying fifteen percent more, right? All of a sudden, every, all of a sudden every price in the catalog you lose money in. So right. so I said to him, looks to me like you're one of those dirty speculators. <laughs> he goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah. It looks like I am. You know, but but this is just. Normal stuff. I mean, if, if you're, I mean, if you've got the British pound, if you need to buy dollars for a delivery in, in say November, you're probably buying the dollar as fast as you can. Right. And so, which makes you a, which is what why these things, you know, turn around. But now, now take a look at you know if a stack is down one or two percent, or up one or two percent if you're short, you know it, it's, it's somewhat of a of a day. But if you actually price your whole your whole year on something you're importing from, you know, say uh, the U.S. and you're in Britain, and all of a sudden you're paying five percent more than you did like last week, uh, good luck with that one. Well, you're going to get boned. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that that and, and this is part of the the thing that has made this nonsense about dollar hegemony so stupid when you get down to it is that it's it's not dollar hedge money okay it never has been this whole thing about petrodollars and all this I, I i've always scoffed at this what i have always maintained is that the bottom line is if you're the seller of a product or a service you're the one who gets to tell the buyer how you want to get paid because if he says no well then he doesn't get it so you're the one that's in charge of that decision you choose based upon the perceived stability or direction and your expectation that that will hold through the performance and your use of the funds that you receive so if if you're building bearings and you're in Germany and you're going to ship them to the United States whether you want to be paying euros or dollars depends on what you're going to have to buy to make the next set of bearings because you already had to buy the stuff to make this set so you're going to buy that you know those raw materials you're going to fashion them into the product and you're going to ship them and then when you get paid 
presumably, assuming that you expect to have an ongoing concern and an ongoing business, you're going to do the same thing again. Well, if you believe that the dollar is is it's to your advantage to be paid in dollars as opposed to euros, that's what you're going to tell people you're going to be paid in, and, then, and that's it. And, and but you know that's how it works. Well, what what has happened over the last couple of years? Okay, we have we have during the pandemic we threw an insane amount of of credit into the system and the fed didn't do any of this congress did this congress has been doing this for the last 20 years and it has never shown up in inflation and they've always thought oh it's free we won't get hammered by doing this nothing bad's going to come of it well that was always bs and and yet we've had trade sequestration just because people are like, well, you know, the United States is more stable than East Bufu's currency, so therefore I, I want to be paid in dollars. Well, now all of a sudden it isn't working anymore. We do, we really do. Ukraine and Russia get into this dust up, and and all of a sudden we decide we're going to ship billions of dollars worth of arms over there. Five percent of them probably actually end up over, you know, being sh- used to shoot at Russians. The rest are beginning siphoned off by somewhere because the place is the most, probably the most corrupt country on the history of the planet. It's, and it's been that way for the last 50 years, for crying out loud. And then on top of that, we turn around and we say, oh, by the way, um, you, 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 and you, who had absolutely nothing to do with the decision to start or prosecute this war, we're going to confiscate your stuff. So now the guy who's over there in East Bufu looks at this and says, I don't want to be paid dollars anymore. I, I, I don't have anything to do with what my government does. My government doesn't answer to me. My government does whatever the ape it wants to do, just like the U.S. does whatever. They, whatever Biden wants to do, he does. Whether if I'm, you know, if I'm Mr. Bering user or I'm a car manufacturer, he doesn't listen to me. He does, he does whatever his, his you know, Victoria gets to call this shot. Okay, fine. Um, but I'm not going to take the risk of being bankrupted by those clowns. I'm not going to do it. Well, but when you get to go back to your example of the bearing manufacturer, that's that's what the foreign markets and some of the stuff trades on uh, exchanges too. Although most of it's done bank to bank because your bank has to guarantee, your bank will guarantee the transaction usually uh, because they're taking the other side and they're making money on the transaction, which is lovely for them. But if if you decide you're going to buy bearings and the delivery date is November 1st, no matter what currency, be it euros or the U.S., the guy wants to be paid in, if you agree today and you, he says, all right, I want to be paid in, in dollars, well then, well, then you're okay if you're, if you're pricing stuff here to deliver to somebody else on November 15th. But if he says, I want to get paid in euros, and you say, here's the rate today, say they're even, I want to get paid a million euros and, and they're, equal, they're equal to a dollar. Well, today they are, uh, the euro is 96 cents. All right, was a dollar like four days ago. It's a massive right. move. But say, say they're even, say they're a dollar. And he says, I don't, I, I want to get paid in euros. And you say, okay. Well, then it's incumbent upon you to buy the euros at a dollar. Correct. For, for, for November, you want to yeah. Protect that position. Yeah, for November delivery. That way, no matter where they go, you can deliver this guy the euros as of today. And if if, if the euro goes, you know, down to where it's uh, ninety six cents, well, you screwed yourself. If it goes up to dollar four, you know, it's it's like a, it's like a, a corn hedge basically. 
Well, but, but that's the, but you know what? That's the same thing. I mean, the, you know, the entire reason we have agricultural futures markets is so the guy that's planting a field full of corn can do this. He knows what the inputs cost to make the corn, and and he knows what he's going to get paid for selling it, and he's not going to lose his shirt. Well, yeah. So that's that's the whole idea, because you're not right. you're in the the reason for the grain markets is so the farmer can get a price, and so can Kellogg's. That's right, and so everybody knows at least for this year's harvest how this is all going to shake out. Right now, you know the spot price is the spot price, but you know what, boy, if you leave yourself open to that, you're feast or famine all the time, and it's not under your control. Well, then of course, if you're if you're the farmer, and you and on the best year, you're going to get you know 100 acres times 200 bushels an acre, which gives you what uh, 20,000 bushels. You can't hedge all twenty, right? Because you might actually get might a, not. You might not get that. Yeah, right. Or if you want to go the other route and want to pay for it, you could buy uh, some puts. Okay, so if it runs down, you're going to get uh, some money. But if it runs up, you get you know other minus the cost of the put. If corn goes from three to you know twelve, you, and you hit a dollar for the put, well now you're up eight, right? Right. So I mean, you you can you can monkey around it a little bit, or if uh, if you want, if you think that that this year is a bad year and you have your own storage on the farm, you can elect not to sell it and just store it for a year and hope it goes up. Uh, there's a lot of little tricks you can do, but but by and large, it's essentially you put the ground the corn in the ground for two fifty. It's trading three fifty. You're happy with a buck. You sell a future at three fifty, and you're happy. And Kellogg sits yeah. there and goes, "Guess what." I'm I'm happy to buy it at three fifty. They're on the other side of the trade. Well, of course, they're not there on the same day or the same moment. That's why all these people are in the middle trading on the floor, is to take care of the momentary, the the momentary uh, glitches in supply and demand. And that's what the either the the market makers on the floor or some speculators or those guys do. And they make the market for for the other people to be there. But by and large, if it wasn't for Kellogg's and the farmers, there wouldn't be any corn market. There wouldn't just be a bunch of people trading it. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it's but this is just sort of kind of the you know. I, mean, I I just I find the moves that we're seeing right now in the markets to be still wildly delusional as as pertains to reality. I mean, the you know there was a, there was a, a huge move in the ten year treasury yesterday. Okay, absolutely enormous, and yet and and so what you have. You know, if you if you've got money that you're just sitting in a bank, what do you what are you doing? Why aren't you buying four week bills at, at, at Treasury Direct? Well, we go to auction okay. from I mean, our people that's, every that's week. A trivial thing for any person yeah. to set up. So so why aren't you why why would you leave? I mean, you know, and and this ultimately leads to a problem for banks when it comes to CDs and money markets too. Because why would I stay? With you know my two hundred fifty thousand dollars, my maximum FDIC insured you know deposit, why would I sit with that in a money market that's that's paying one percent when I can have three in in the four well, Why why do you suppose um, while you're on this subject, why do you suppose the banks have been so slow to come up with this interest rate? Is, is it just a cartel, or they're so used to getting your money for nothing, or what? Well, yeah, I think we, do, we spent twenty years uh, conditioning the American public to the idea that they shouldn't get anything in interest. You know, it's, it's amazing when you get on, like you say, Tout Radio or Tout TV, uh, 
especially the younger people. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe they, just, they seem like they talk. I don't know. It seems like the, the the ladies are worse. I can't believe these interest rates are going up this much. When are we going back to normal? Normal's not zero. Why should you give money to somebody for nothing? Well, since when does time not have value? Is what yeah. I always tell people. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But uh, I mean, I, you know, the day that I spend today, whatever I'm doing, you know, I get up at you know six o'clock in the morning my time, and I just you know dump a couple of espressos down the throat so I can have a coherent conversation with you. I, I can't have that day back. No, ever. Well, no, it's a. But I mean, you know, the other part of the uh, currency transactions, which we should probably mention when we got a minute, is. When when you when you get a currency transaction, a forward transaction, the, the transaction is gonna is gonna bear the difference. If you, if you go buy, for instance, a, a Japanese uh, yen forward, it, in in the forward is gonna be the difference between the interest rate in the U.S. and the interest rate in Japan. That's how you price the forward, right? Right. Well, so you, there's there's no zero sum game here. So when you, when you saw people back in the in the in the uh, 2008, if you remember that. When people were borrowing money in Japan and, and investing in mortgages here, they weren't going around. They weren't completing the transaction because if they would have borrowed money in Japan for two for two percent, okay, and then and then bought the forward to go back and into the dollars two years or five years later, you wouldn't have made any money, right? But no, but people left that part of the transaction out and just went and bought the mortgage bond here, hoping that when it came time to go back. And repay the the the, uh, the loan and wine, you wouldn't get screwed on the other end, which is very dangerous right. to do. You, you essentially left one leg of the spread out, right? Yeah, I mean it's, but the, I mean this is uh, you know, where do people get this idea that these things shouldn't be happening? Well, yeah, well, how it all it doesn't tie together. I mean, it does. That's, that's of course it ties together. I, you know, and, and yet it, you look at the valuations that have that have appeared. On an increasing basis, and and all you got to do is look at the rollover schedule of corporate debt over the last twenty years, and as everybody has rolled down into new issues at lower interest expense, their earnings go up because the the thing above the line that they used to have to pay in interest to go right. it's less. All right, Kyle, we got a dash, but we'll have you back on Friday as usual. SP futures up forty five now. Wow, and as if up one sixty six. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on board. SP Futures up 45. Nasdaq Futures up 162. It's nice to see some green on the page, like for a real change. Uh, we've got the uh, Dow Futures are up. I don't see any stocks in the Dow. The only red I see is uh, NSC and a couple things in transportation average. Everything else is... Uh, is green Dow up 272. I wonder if this will hold. Over in Europe, we've got we got rallies over here. Well, Dax is up 60. It was up more than that. 0.5% FTSE down 12.2%. CAC around up 35.6. So, a little bit to the upside there, not much. Nikkei finally up, up 140.5%. Shanghai up uh, 42. That's 1.4%. However, Hang Seng still under 18,000, only up five bucks. So those guys, they are in a world of hurt there. I mean, I don't know what's going to get those guys to rally. Uh, ten year. Down 7 basis points, 3.81. Uh, the Bund down 4 basis points, 2.05, but still over 2%. Uh, Japan still unchanged at, point, at 0 0.25. As those guys continue to monkey with the currency market to try and keep things even over there. Oil actually up 94 cents, but still only 77.65. Run up a dollar nine eighty-five fifteen. The guy's calling for like $130 oil. Man, oh man, they're getting hurt. Uh, natural gas uh, up 12 cents, uh, 7 Zero 0.02 again we were over nine bucks a few weeks ago and then we were under seven that has been a very very volatile market our bob up five cents 243 we've got gold with a little bit of a rally 1380 but up to 1647 uh still low uh silver up 21 cents it's over one percent 1869 is 
Silver continues to kind of trade wildly between 1840 and 1950, but can't break out. Copper up four cents, 334. We've got uh, Bitcoin up a thousand, 20,241. So no worries there, at least today. And we have the uh, euro dollar actually come back the other way. It's up 32. It's still 0.96 to the dollar, still real low. The pound up 129, but still 108. It bottomed at, I think, 104 yesterday morning or during the night. Uh, so it's coming back a little bit, but still very, very low. You know, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right. It is 635 here in Chicago, Tuesday the 27th. Uh, for sports, last night in Monday Night Football, the Cowboys came out on top while playing against the Giants in a 23-16 game. And on Sunday in Major League Baseball, the Cubs played the Pirates once again this time, winning 8-3. The White Sox lost to the Tigers 4-1, and the Diamondbacks lost to the Giants 3-2. Now tonight we can look forward to the Cubs playing the Phillies at 6:40, and the Diamondbacks playing the Astros at 8:38. Real specific timing there. Yep. But for weather, uh, in Chicago it's mostly sunny and chilly at 50 degrees. So fall is definitely around now. We got a high of 66 and a low of 49. And in uh, Phoenix we have clear skies at 85 degrees. Excuse me with a high of at 105 and a low of 82. Now for Chicago traffic, we do have a couple accidents this morning. Uh, not too usual of a thing, at least not this early, but an accident on the outbound Dan, outbound Dan Ryan near the ramp from I-55 South is blocking the left lane of traffic, causing heavy delays. And on the eastbound Jane Adams has some delays due to an accident found earlier around Foster Avenue. And now road construction on both sides of the Edens is causing some delays up north. Otherwise, traffic is building as usual on the northbound roads. That's all I got today. Back to you, Chief. Well, um, we have, uh, yesterday I was, uh, do we have, uh, Joel? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How you doing, bud? Uh, well, I'm having a happy new year so far. Um, happy new, oh yeah, well, you, that's right. You guys are, uh, so yesterday you're in Temple and today, uh, what, nothing? Yeah, well, actually, it depends, um, on your, how you practice. Um, I'm more reformed, so we go to shul. Uh, we went on Sunday night. We go yesterday, you know, big family dinners both nights. Um, if you're a little bit more um, conservative, uh, you go Monday and Tuesday. Uh, but for, you know, for the majority of people, it's Sunday night and Monday. And, uh, you know, I didn't talk about this last week, and, and I let all your user, all the listeners down because there's a stock market adage uh, that has never been more true as it has in uh, 2022, and that's sell Rosh Hashanah by Yom Kippur. Oh, yeah. I mean, they sold Rosh Hashanah, you know, because, you know, you want to be you want to get rid of your investments so you can concentrate on your family and reflect on what you did right and wrong during the year. And then the, the 10 days, you, you repent. And then on Yom Kippur, you say sorry to everybody, and you start with a fresh slate, and then you can go back into the market. So uh, we'll see what happens in the next 10 days. Uh, I just have to alert um, everyone that's listening uh, to your broadcast that we just have a technical formation in that is going to determine what the market is going to do for the rest of the year. You know what that is, Chief? Actually, I do not. I'm not a technical dude like you. What is okay. it? Okay, <laughs> a technical dude like me. Okay, uh, we all know about the June low, right? Yep. 36.57.75, right? Yep. The next day, 36.57. 
Okay, double bottom. You know what happened from there? Thursday's low, thirty-six sixty. Friday's low, thirty-six fifty-seven fifty. It's a quad bottom. If you go back to the the June lows, we tested the June lows. I am saying I don't want to go down to the June lows because I think if we break them, we're going to thirty-two hundred. As of this second, who knows what's going to happen at uh, nine thirty? Where we rallied off the June low. I am still, I got this one bullish hat and it's getting knocked off my head. But now that they've defended that area, we'll see. If that, then, then you know, then that, if we can crack, if we crack that area, the bears are in the biggest control they've been in the market since 2008. Uh, I don't disagree with you. I, uh, I'm not sure how I mean how you, how you decide which way we're going here, but I think we're down a lot, uh, especially some of these stacks. And with the, the way that the way that they're shaking out here with the transportation average and the the UPSs and the FedExs of the world, which kind of you know it's not not always accurate, Joel. But you get some of the idea that those guys are you know you get a little bit of the pulse of uh, of society with those dudes, and they're they're just getting hammered. And yet you know some like your Costco's are hanging in there and so forth and I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem to all be, you know, essentially matching up to me. I can't figure out who's right. If that's a, do we still have Joel or did he, he dash? I think we lost Joel for a second, but no, you, you see these, there's, there's sort of an imbalance in this whole thing. That's right, we're, we're right back at these June lows, uh, right in this 367, 368 number in the spiders. Uh, I think Andrew will get him back in a second. Um... And it's you know, and then obviously the the, the pre the pre COVID low is uh, well, the pre COVID number was was uh, essentially three eight three uh, thirty seven. Right, was it was the pre COVID high right before COVID? And after uh, COVID, everything shut down. We shut down. We 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 went racketing down to uh, two twenty eight, um, maybe two twenty seven, and uh, the sixteenth and March. On March sixteenth, we just went hammering down. So, uh, Joel, I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, I don't think we did, but somehow or another, we were disconnected. Disconnected. Okay. Where was I? Where was I? In my well, I was going. I was going to ask you uh, because of the 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 COVID situation. I mean, we had a nice yeah. rally going up to right before COVID showed up. So we're at, if you're like at at two ten twenty, right before this you know this crap happened. We were uh, at 3:37 after a nice rally. Okay, so then after that, after we started shutting stuff down, we rocket from 3:37 down to really two what 2.78 two no lower than that two two uh I'll get the bottom here if I can find it. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean I got this kind of weirdo graph, but I say we're down to like You're talking two, about we got down to like 2.25. Then everybody started pouring money into the system. We went flying back up, so we dropped from really three something to two something in 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 like a month you know with the with the big covid sell off then we went from two something up to 475 and now we which been, is, it was unbelievable which is unbelievable well, i mean we were up uh you know 50% or more maybe doubled uh based on you know the fed thrown well in my opinion fed fed thrown money and then all of a sudden they've kind of stopped and we've come back some now is is the sum enough uh, i don't i don't think you can take that 225 number, but if you went to the, the pre-COVID number at 325, we're still, 
10, 15% higher than that, right? Which, you know, I guess maybe he's... It's not like the the economy's been going swimmingly for the last two and a half years. So I'm not so sure where, if there was no COVID, where we would be right now. Right. You know, it's... Yeah. It's a... a Keith, and I'm going to have to hop after this, I couldn't agree with you more um, because that, that low that we saw was just such a, you know just such a quick and, and, and uh, a quick bottom, maybe way, way undervalued. Maybe we got the 4,800 in the S&Ps. We're a little bit, you know, overvalued. We're finding the equilibrium. But I just think overall, and, and you just can't deny the shock that it had to the economy, okay? And also you throw in the Ukraine war. Um, like FedEx, to me, yeah. and, and, and not many people agree with me. They just say, oh, the consumer's broke. They can't save money. To me, you know, FedEx and UPS, I mean, people are, go- people are still buying, but they're going to the store, you know? Except for us, we get two, three deliveries a day. So, you know, when things happen, when events like that happen, they change the macro. They change things. And they accelerated trends. Like, were people going to movies, you know, with movie industry on an up, 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 you know, up trajectory before COVID? No. But COVID accelerated the downward. Uh, were people working at home more, you know, starting to work at home more? Well, yeah, maybe. What did COVID do? It accelerated the trend. So, it, you know, we got to shake it out. And, uh, you know, two years running, you know, we're still dealing with some of the health effects. But what has shocked the economy? Uh, then you throw in the macro event. Very unusual times, Chief. But, I, um, like I said, I'm just, uh, you know, going to try and be bullish. I really want people to to keep an eye on that level, and uh, we're gonna have to. We're just gonna call this stocks, and because we never talk about sports anymore, Chief. Well, we yeah. talk about sports anymore. Well, we will next week for sure, especially if Michigan wins again. Okay, blue. All right, SP futures up fifty two, Nasdaq futures up one eighty eight. Be right back with Sir Kenny Polkerry. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howell. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 52. NASDAQ Futures up 195. It appears we are not streaming, but we will be on afterwards because uh, our streaming service uh, has an upgrade on our, our site that they never send us. But they say we have to upgrade after the show. So, uh, But anybody, anybody can catch it uh, like as soon as we're done. Uh, Kenny, how are you? Good, how are you? All right, are you, uh, are you acting like Dan and you're heading across the state to get out of the way of the hurricane? What are you doing? Well, I, I, it's funny. I'm actually coming to Chicago today because I have to speak at a conference tomorrow. Uh, as long as I get out of here, it's, uh, I'm on a 1250 flight. But that was already planned. But, you know, the part where I live, I live in South Florida, so it appears as if uh, it's gonna, we're going to get the rain and the wind, but we're not going to get hit directly in, uh, you know, from Palm Beach down to Miami. When's it, when's it supposed to blow by you guys? Well, it's supposed to bl- well, the, the skies are dark now. It's not raining yet, but it's supposed to blow by later this afternoon. And then uh, tomorrow, I guess, we're going to get rain all day, but I won't be here. But I'm looking out the window now, and I can see, you know, the water is, uh, the water is already starting to get worked up. But it's uh, far enough out in the Gulf where it's not gonna, we're not going to whack you at that point. Yeah, well, it's not, to, yeah, it's not supposed to whack us. It's going to hit the west side of the, of the state, and so we'll just get wind and rain but we're not going to you know two days ago they thought it was going to hit us directly and now it's kind of veered off the other way so i think we're uh, i think at least in south florida we're going to miss it uh they're still aiming at tampa or west of there i think it's west of there now right yeah no i think it's still aiming at tampa and kind of that panhandle right that whole that whole uh that whole area it's kind of the cone is wide so it looks as you know if you look at the news it looks as if it's going to hit um uh, a wide swath kind of that part of florida yeah. all right well uh, Hope it uh, doesn't do that much damage. The poor guys up in Canada got whacked. I mean, it's, I know Carl was yeah, saying that he, he said that? they get hit up there. He says, yeah, they get hit up there with these remnants. Yeah, but I don't know when's the last time they got a direct hit or didn't hit anybody else but them. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. What? Uh, so, what do you make of all this? Can we've had this big sell-off? We've got uh, these m- massive moves in these currencies. I mean, you and I have talked got for years now that the uh, these central banks were all ant- all working in. And together, so when you saw the dollar, and I, when I would say the dollar would go down, you know, the Rick Santelli of the world would say, "What are you talking about? It's, it's steady with the euro and the and the pound." And I say, "Well, they're all they're all acting together, but it's going down in relation to like a car, <laughs> you know, right. or, or or a shirt. I mean, it's going down in relation to everything else, just not the other currencies." And now all of a sudden, these guys are not acting together. Doesn't appear, and we've got, I mean. Is it, this is chaos in the currency markets. Well, yeah, no, it is chaos, and you're seeing that happen, right? And then uh, you've seen that the Fed has become much more aggressive than these other central banks. That's number one. So we've pushed our rates up high, so that's attracting capital here, which is causing you know kind of the chaos in the markets. And then there's still uncertainty around what the other central banks are doing. I mean, the UK came out on Friday or something and said that they may potentially hold off until November 
which I think, which would be a negative considering that UK inflation is, is near all-time highs as well. They should become more aggressive. Um, the ECB continues while they're, while they're quote-unquote raising rates. They're still way behind the eight ball at just plus a half a percent when your, when your zone inflation is running at 9%. So I think it's creating chaos all over, right? And, and I think partly is because you and I have discussed it. You know, we're in this place where we've never been. Right, the global economy has never been in a place where they've stimulated for 13 years, keeping rates artificially low at negative in Europe and, and zero here in the United States for way too long. Grew the balance sheet way too much, and now they're trying to navigate it out. And they waited way too long for that. And so here we are, right, in this in this chaos and turmoil. Did you uh, happen to listen to uh, uh, Siegel on Friday? It's no, you know, it's funny. I have to go back. I missed that, but everyone's talking about that. He had this meltdown, apparently, on, on CNBC. I have to go back and watch it. I meant to do that yesterday. Well, that guy, um, I mean, I, I'm not going to get you to talk out of school here, because, uh, uh, but that, that guy, Scott, he's the same guy that got Dr. J all pissed off. I mean, he... he uh, Scott Wa- who, Scott uh, Wappen? Yeah. He, yeah, he, he's the same guy who did what? He got Dr. J all pissed off about the... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I mean, he... He kept growing them like, you know, because, I mean, anybody, let's put it this way, Kenny, you and I, we understand the pressure that the Fed is under, okay, and we understand the situation with the COVID, and we thought everybody was going to, or some people thought everybody was going to die, so to not come up with some money when they asked you to at that point, I'm not so sure I could have resisted that or you. Uh, Right. But if it happened in in a vacuum, everything would have been probably okay. It wouldn't have been a good idea, but it would have been okay. But it followed nine years of really maybe 14 years of sneak, uh, of sneaky uh, growth in the money supply where you shouldn't have had it. Agreed. And, and so it, it comes on time. It's like anything else. You can't you can't ever get away with anything. It, do, it doesn't appear in this life, Kenny. No. But, I mean, they got away with it. They got away with it while it was happening, but now it's time to pay the piper, right? I well, mean, now it's time. And we, you know, we talked about it for years and years about how we're going to get out of this and sh- is it time that we should start to move should they start raising rates years ago actually right should they started up raising rates prior to covid then they could have lowered them no one knew covid was coming but what i mean is should they started raising back in 17 and 18 very gently but should they have started to pull back right i mean it's all in hindsight now and we can you know we can debate it all we want but quite honestly 14 years of zero rates what did they expect was going to happen? Well, we had, in, the, in their opinion, we had fourteen years essentially of growth, and yet you had a you had a uh, forget the word I used yesterday. You had a disparity uh, where why is exactly why exactly are people getting no money for their money and other people getting they, stuff for free? Yeah. I mean, it's that's yeah. not the way you you can't extend that out forty years and say that this is healthy. It's not why. Why should so? Why should I get to use your money for nothing? I mean, over a exactly long period right. of time. Well, exactly right. But you know, um, they did, and as much as we discussed it, they seem to be able to rationalize it away as good for everybody. And now, what's going to happen is, you know, they're going to they're going to all the all, everything they did, they're going to take it all away. Right? They're going to destroy it. Look at yesterday, thirty-year mortgage rates were were conforming. FHA conforming was six point. Eight percent, and if they were jumbo, they were seven point seven percent. And rates are still going up; they're going up another seventy-five basis points in November, another fifty in December. For mortgages, I wouldn't be surprised if we see mortgage rates closer to nine percent by the end of the year. I thought seven percent was going to be was a little bit dramatic, but we're already there at seven percent. Well, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure that if these guys 
I mean, my my recommendation, Kenny, and boy, it's, it it is a it is fraught with peril. My recommendation is to to uh, to just stop quote the inflation. You can't fight the price level without causing even more trouble. Just get your right. money supply growth down to one percent or something. You know, leak the balance sheet off very gradually and just let it hang, and hope everybody right. and hope everybody catches up. But right. uh, but but Siegel was ranting about. You know stuff that that everybody should know, and it because the Fed lies to people, or you know I guess whatever bears false witness. I won't say the lie, tells half the story maybe. Uh, yeah. You know he came out with stuff that I I I and you have been saying forever. He goes, he goes, in, in r- wage increases below the level of inflation do not cause inflation. He goes, what's the matter with you people, basically? They they don't. Inflation's 6%, and the guy gets a 3% raise. He's not the problem. I mean, why, why, right. why do these buffoons, or, the, or these I'll say these younger people that have never seen it before, if you were getting a 10% raise and inflation was 6 yeah, that's a problem. But if you're getting a 3 you're you're still behind. How, how, are, how is that a problem to anybody, Kenny? <laughs> really? Well, it's not, that, that's not a problem yet, but I guess it's the trend, right? Because they're giving 3% now, but 3% started up. They're going to give another 3%. Well, that's started up. They're going to give another 3%. That, I think it's the trend that they're worried about, right? Not necessarily, because you're right. A 3% raise when inflation is at 8% does not cause inflation. Well, here, here's, here's what I'm going to... I think it's the sense that they're going to have to keep pushing wages higher, right? Well, I think what you end up having, uh, Kenny, and, I, and, I, and this is exactly what happened in the Volcker era. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, and why I am not as big a fan of Volcker as everybody else is. Is be, right. because of either intentionally, not intentionally, just the way they gathered the statistics, the CPI... I'm going to say intentionally, but whatever it is, is a very lagging indicator. Yeah. I mean, for I mean, like I say, and purpose or not, we the thing still says eight percent, and and we it's really been twelve or thirteen over the last you know year or so. Every now and that. it probably still is really twelve or thirteen. That's the fact well, about it, right? Uh, I'm telling I, you the truth. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to say push back here. It's going to be twelve or thirteen in their numbers because they're late. But if you and I right. went around. This month, and actually looked at the price increases from last month, I think we yep. see probably nothing, or close to it. Right. I'm saying that the, that the gas pedal's kind of off. But what happened was in those days, which I don't see people getting now. In those days, everybody got cost of living increases in their contracts, right? The unions and everything else. So the last the last year of this, when there really was no inflation, remember the Shaker Jane I drive around in the car going, "John, where do you see inflation?" It, it was gone. But it was still working its way through the system, and people were getting raises because I was doing these raises for people at Pullman. They were still getting raises based on a 10% inflation when actually that was kind of the runoff of the CPI. I don't see right. that. Ha- I don't see that happening this time because I don't see people getting coal adjustments. And how many people are in a union? Nine percent. That's that's not going to happen this time. I don't think so. I think the Fed actually could do just what they're doing, which is you know. No growth in the money supply. Get the balance sheet trickling down a little bit, and just let it go. I don't. I don't see how they can attack this price bubble without causing even more trouble. Do you? Well, I, I think they're going to. I think they are going to cause trouble, and I think that's that's why we see them everything. All these markets kind of in distress and in chaos. 
because no, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. People projecting on how bad is it going to get. Goldman Sachs yesterday, who, by the way, I think they just talked their book. Suddenly they go, you know, the market's down 30% in the NASDAQ, and suddenly they go, oh, it's time to sell, as they back up the truck and buy it from everybody. Oh, God, yeah, oh, yeah. I, hate to say, I think that's the Goldman strategy. But um, that just adds that just adds more chaos and more uncertainty, right? Well, I think the, the big problem now to me is, even though this is what I do for people and so do you, is the stock market. The big problem right now, Kenny, in terms of a hurt to the economy are the incredible amount of people that are locked into a 3% mortgage and aren't going to be able to move for 10 years. It, we, right. we hope we better hope we don't go into a recession where all these people got to change jobs and sell their houses because they're going to be in serious trouble if they do. Right. I mean, if the Fed, yep. that's what the Fed's supposed to watch out for, Kenny, I think. Yeah. No, I hear you. A thousand percent. Well, stay away from the hurricane, bud. Talk at you next right, week. Sir. SP Futures, it's nice I to see something up, Kenny, up 49. NASDAQ Futures up one. I'm seeing some green on my machines hurting my yeah, eyes. Yeah, but yeah, but I think it's a short-term bounce, right? Because I think we get, we've had you know a, a week and a half of kind of really a lot of pressure on stocks, a lot of pressure on the market, a lot of speculation, and now it's in a bit of an oversold position. Um, and so I think you're going to get a bounce. You might get a bounce for two or three days, which, you know, a little bit of relief. Um, but I don't think people should feel like it's all over. Oh, it's okay, the worst is over. I don't. I think we're just starting third quarter earnings season on our, the week of October 10th, and I think that's going to bring another set of concerns as we start to hear what's next with these companies, right, about the guidance, about missing estimates, about, um, you know, what the strong dollar is doing to their, doing to their, their overseas uh, earnings, right? All that stuff is yet to come out, so I think there's still some... Uh, yet, yet you're 48 bucks up on your 50 spool. You know, adds a little something to the yatch. Yeah, <laughs> goodbye. See ya. SP Futures up 48. SP Futures up 178. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. Something happening here. Well, North Bay Stacks Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 48. NASDAQ Futures up 175. We don't know if this is a, a bear market bounce here. We don't know what it is, but if you're if you're long, it's it's good to look at, Andrew. What can I tell you, buddy? You know, it's just one of those things. It's, I don't, if I can uh, make some money for my clients today by, by turning everything around yesterday and leaning toward the long side, you know what? By the end of the day, we'll adjust the other way, and we'll take the money and take the money and run. What do you, what do you say, Andrew? Just saying. Do we have Mr. Hot, Mr. Good. Mr. Professor Hale? I'm here. What's up, buddy? Uh, just uh, another day in the jungle, the Manhattan jungle. I uh, did have my first slice of Manhattan uh, New York-style pizza, though. It was awesome. Good. <laughs> I'm not as big on that. I mean, I'm a Chicago pizza kind of guy. I'm a south side, the thin crust type of well, thing. Hey, I, I like it all. I like Chicago style, and I like Brooklyn style. I have no preference. But when you're in New York, you gotta have Brooklyn style. When you're in Chicago, you have to, you yep. have Chicago style. You know what I, I will I will say because the uh, the Tripoli Tap, my, my local saloon, has uh, pizza, which is it's pretty good. But Nick is from Boston. Uh, I'm not big on cutting it in the, in the triangles. Seems like it was a. Big oh, you like the rectangles? You like the squares? Yeah, I mean, it seems like the. The big long triangle. No matter what you do, you can't get the thing that it always wants to to bend down in the end, unless you like. <laughs> unless you like flip well, the it over. It, the key to it is getting out of the oven quick, because what happens is, if that big triangle is in a box, that box and the oil kind of softens the crust. So the key is to grab it out of that that oven as soon as possible, and then bend it, and then you have all kinds of uh, crunchiness, right? Yeah, if you, you get it out of the box, it's moistened up, and it's not as good. Well, it always seems like a drop or two ends up on my shirt, which I'm not really happy about. <laughs> Just saying, you know. Well, Tom, I, I, I suspect that that happens with Chicago style, too. Uh, well, not with the, not so much with the with the little squares. I mean, you can almost like... Uh, you know, was it, well, it's got a lot of sauce on top, right? Well, got a little sauce on top. If you go to Vito and Nick's, my favorite on Southside, there's this, it's, it, you know, Southside Pizza... Is like it's like late night pizza, you know. We had dinner, oh. and you want, so the, you want the th- the crust to be so thin just to hold the stuff on it. You want the, the be tasty and really good, but really be almost like a piece of paper. So all you do, all you do is get the good stuff, basically. We're not. Well, the only pizza. kind of pizza I don't like is California style. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> when you start putting pineapple and stuff, I mean, come on, give me a break. You, that's, that's there's, a, there's a move. There's a movie called uh, uh, it's it's a kid movie, a kid cartoon. It's, I think it's Inside Out, and these kids, this family moves from Minnesota to San Francisco, 
And she's like, pizza, woohoo! And they come back from the pizza joint going, who puts broccoli on pizza? Yeah, really, or pineapple, or just like, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing here? Um, yeah, God. Anywho, the, uh, we uh, were talking a little bit to uh, uh, Carl earlier, and I want to dig a little further with you. I don't normally, as, as our, well, I'm going to accuse our Fed, the central banks, of acting sort of together in all these moves, you really didn't, I really didn't have to talk at all about uh, currency moves for like a really long time. I mean, they were pretty steady. I mean, the dollar has been uh, going up here recently because all of a sudden these central banks are now, instead of, you know, operating in, operating in, in consist, shall we say, are almost fighting each other. And I, yeah. I'm really curious. I, out of all, out of all the, uh, other than the, 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 I was going to say something uh, uh, not sexually perfect. Other than the the lady senator from Arizona, basically telling people that she got two million dollars from Wall Street, so she was going to insist on and not changing the law and carried interest if they wanted her signature. Other than being that blatant of I got paid from these guys, therefore I'm going to affect legislation towards them, which to me should have been a recall election immediately. That you know that's just that's just me. Uh, this lady in London, the first thing she does after she gets in there, after she has support for that that office, you know, lowers taxes for the people who put her in there. I mean, really? I mean, we're knowing that lowering taxes right now, they're, they're not going to increase taxes on somebody else to make it even. They're not going to borrow for it. They're going to ask their central bank to essentially print the money to give these people a tax cut. You know, I'm not saying, you know, you know the greater scheme of things in, in a good economy that you shouldn't give people tax cuts. I think you should, but right now is really amazing timing. Does, does she think that she that she operates in that much of a vacuum that, that that's not going to cause a problem with these currencies and stuff? When everybody else is going the other well, way I out? Think, I think these politicians in the era of social media and hyper-partisan uh, media, and, and they only go to their friendly media for questions, I think people live in bubbles, and the fact that they live in these bubbles creates a moral hazard. I was talking this about talking about this with my students yesterday, and they didn't know what a moral hazard was, but it creates a moral hazard where you make decisions, which probably by most people would be considered a bad decision, like this one, because you're not really questioning. You're you're swimming with the current, right? In these bubbles, you're with the herd, and I and I've always out of the herd because eventually the herd goes over the cliff and I think what happens is you get in your herd of media you get in herd on your on your social media and you're never really asked tough questions so I think that's the reason why Kamala Harris has such a hard time answering questions and speaking off the cuff because she was she existed in that bubble of California media where the newspapers and the local TV stations are all on one side so she's never had to answer a tough question and I think that's what happens in today's world. If you ignore the other media, the media that would hold you accountable, if you just ignore them and just pay attention to your media, the the media that your voters uh, listen to, and you can do whatever essentially you want to. And I think that's what's going on with Democrats and Republicans and maybe the PM in the UK. Because all she's going to do is blow a hole in the deficit, which has to be papered over by money printed by yeah. European or uh, England's central bank, right? Right. That's all. All that's going to end up happening. But yeah. yeah, I think there's a there's a kind of a again. You and I are talking about media. Uh, Andrew, feel free to pop in here. We is is the is the you to 
uh, I think sort of what's happening is there's two things. One is it used to be, used to be kind of afraid of, of social media, and that no matter what you do, it, it sort of gets out there. And now I think if, if you do something that for whatever reason doesn't go, quote, viral, it doesn't stick, it's also gone in like two days. I mean, if you and I, it is, yeah. I mean, if you and I yep. killed four people, as long as it was on a Friday night and it was gone off the media by Saturday, a week from now, nobody, rem- nobody, yeah, nobody would remember or care. Yet, if you happen yeah. to catch it in such a way where they don't like you or something, where it's still spinning a week from now, now you're screwed, I think. But they know how to, I, I don't, I mean, other than me <laughs> remembering her cutting these, these taxes and causing their central bank to do something quite opposite ours, and look what's happened to their currency. But I don't think, I, I was digging through some of these numbers, uh, Hal, the amount of money, is it $6 trillion a day that goes back and forth in currency transactions? I, I don't think if you, I remember this vividly, you know, I mean, this, is, this has got to be how many years ago, I was in an international economics class, University of Chicago, and the guy was a, uh, uh, he, well, he had this weirdo, well, not weirdo, he had a French accent. I guess to me it was weird. Uh, and he was this guy, he'd worked for some bank and this and any other, he had his PhD in like international economics. And he's blowing through this stuff so fast. And I'm sitting there going, I, you know, if I if he'd give me a second to think and write something down, I would have been with him. But he was blowing. All these guys, we had probably seven or eight guys that were from uh, some for some France or someplace over there. God knows where they were from, from Europe. Every move, exactly what he was talking about. And I, I didn't know anything. Where If this bank did this, Credit Lyonnais in, in France, well, I don't know how were, what happens to uh, Credit Enstalt in Austria? And these guys had every answer. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, who, who even are these people? <laughs> I mean, I was so far behind because I'm a Midwestern. All I ever had was a dollar in my pocket, right? And, and I'd never been to Europe. I didn't have to go across a border and, and, and get one one uh, you know one price for and on the way back get another price. You don't you don't even understand this stuff unless you have to do it. And I'm not I'm not giving anybody any heat. What I'm saying is I was the same way, but then I got better at that class, and mm-hmm. since then. I've paid attention because we had people in this. We, at one point, PTI had like forty percent of the of the business in the in the peso futures contract. So we got pretty wow. good at it. Uh, and uh, you know, but now I don't even know if there is such a thing as a pesos contract, peso contract. But you see this happen: a two or three percent, or four or five percent move in a currency. When you're a company buying, you know, you know, fifty billion or not billion, fifty million dollars worth of ball bearings from Europe to put in your your in whatever it is you're making here. And all of a sudden, that price in, in three weeks is 5% different than you agreed on because of currency flux. God, <laughs> hell, that, you, mean, you might as well get a hot poker where the sun don't shine, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's awful. Oh, yeah. Well, it's even worse in Japan, isn't it? Yeah. I think uh, the dollar uh, can buy 30% more goods than it did last year. There's a huge spike. And now those guys are, well, now they're, they're, yeah, they're, oh, and they're, selling, yeah. they're selling dollars to try and even it up. They can't. There's not enough yeah. dollars for them to sell. They, they, this we were talking about a, like a six trillion dollar market every day. So, so like some central bank says, we'll fix it. We'll, we'll buy a billion dollars worth of dollars or yen. You're you're a pimp on the ass of an elephant, even though you're the central bank, yeah. right? Well, I think in Japan they're they're selling U.S. Treasuries, right? Yeah, which is pushing the prices down and the yields up. Well, a little uh, bit, so they can. Convert it into cash to buy yen to support their yen, right? Yeah, but I mean, I'm a little bit. I mean, you, they're they're nowhere yeah. near the size of the 
of the U.S. Yeah. I mean, I've actually, actually, I just had it up here. I'll try and get it and see if I can find it again here. Uh, was was how much per day? And then it, I had a. I'll, I'll find it. Uh, the uh, uh, because it and there's the, the amount the amount that we get, you know, per currency. But I'll, I'll find it here in a second. Um, but uh, you know, if if countries if countries do this and they push yields up by, you know, wanting to support their currency and they they sell off their bonds, you know, that's gonna what you said last week about putting the federal funds rate at three and a half and leaving it. This kind of activity, if other countries do it when they see their currencies crash against the dollar, um, that could have an effect on yields in America, which could cause, if the Fed isn't watching, it could cause all those reserves to come out of, out of the banking system if these rates get high enough in the United States. And then you would have a situation where the Fed would have to raise the interest on reserves rate because that's the, that's the top of the dam. The interest on reserves is the top of the demand, and that, and if these reserves start, reserves start pouring out, they're going to have to raise that up too to keep up with these yields. Well, here's a—it's so it, kind of crazy time right now. Oh yeah, well, here's—I've got, uh, I've got what's what stats do you want here? Uh, the uh, the, <laughs> the the largest foreign forex trading centers is the United Kingdom at forty three percent. When most of your trading, your foreign exchange takes place in in, in London, United States sixteen, Singapore seven, Hong Kong seven, Japan four. But the trading yeah. the trading pairs are out of all the out of all the uh, stuff that trades the U.S. dollar versus the euro is twenty four percent U.S. dollar versus the Japanese yen is seventeen point eight and the U.S. dollar versus the British pound is nine point three and uh, fortunately my my uh, buddy Robert uh, my Fed guy is in town this week and hopefully I'll be able to drag a, an adult beverage or I'll, I'll even offer to buy one. Because he's one of the guys who was uh, over his career there, you know. People, you know, I mean, I'll rag on the, on the Fed more than anybody in terms of policy, but I'll never rag on him in terms of what they actually do. Hell, in terms of making the, the, the let's put it this way: the worker bees really know what they're doing. That's why your checks get cashed. That's why that's why all that stuff happens happens at the Fed, right? I mean, and the, and the yeah. banks are all solvent. Uh, you know, I don't like the way they treat the ones up top, like you know. The more money they have, the better everybody everybody else is. I mean, I'm not I'm not into that, but by and large, uh, Robert was. I don't know if I told you this. Robert was involved in a group where years ago, and I mean, I'll, I'll have him pin I'll pin him down. Years ago, the 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 currencies coming from the U.S. to Europe, and I, I might have this flipped. They settled at like eleven o'clock, and the stuff coming from the currency uh, U, uh, Europe to here settled at twelve o'clock. And and uh, some of the guys here in the Fed said, "Well, you know, something really could happen in the middle here." But it's it's you know it's it's like getting an asteroid on your head, but it could happen. And sure enough, one day some small German bank went under at like eleven thirty or something and screwed wow. the, and screwed the whole thing up. And uh, from that day forward, some of these guys at the Fed and I think Robert was on the team uh, worked with all the other central banks. You know, you got to work with even people you don't like, the Chinese people and stuff. You you have to work to where now every one of these things settles at the like the exact same moment at the you know at the at the one at the one equilibrium price whenever it happens. So if you go and buy go to your bank and do a forward contract on uh, the Swiss franc or the euro or the, or the pound, somebody comes the other way and does it this way, all the stuff on both sides all all connects at whatever eleven o'clock in the morning or ten thirty or whatever and everything gets settled at the same time, same price. Where before that, there used to be, you know, an issue. All this stuff was outstanding. I mean, because you, you can't have, 
mean, six trillion dollars like a lot of dough every day, right? I mean, it's just you don't even oh, yeah. I mean, you don't even realize it. Like said, well, in fifty years, it might not be a lot of dough. Well, <laughs> but I, you know, I mentioned I said a story earlier. My my uh, my stepfather used to he was a uh, executive at uh, Walmart Hallmark Rings and Waltham Watches, right? So they they would buy the movements from Swiss to Switzerland, the Switzerland the S- the Swiss part of the company. It was transfer pricing. So they'd say, okay, we're gonna we gotta send you guys a million dollars, the fifteenth of November. Well, if the if the dollar was looking weak, which it was during the early seventies, that's why all the inflation happened in the late seventies, right? Is because the Fed was pouring money in little by little, really after nineteen sixty eight, after the Breton, after we went off the gold standard. So the, the, he would sit there and they they would say, all right, they go to the bank. I think it was Continental at the time. Uh, they say, okay, we need we don't have the, we don't need the Swiss franc until. November 15th, but this dollar's looking a little wobbly. Let's lock in our Swiss franc price today. So they would buy the forward contract. And, of course, you'd hear on the news, dollar going down as all these all these speculators are, are, are in the market. And I said to him, I said this earlier, I said to him, well, you're one of the dirty speculators. And he goes, well, yeah, I guess so. He goes, but, but it's just, that's what I'm supposed to do. The dollar's moving. I didn't cause it. They did. <laughs> so, it, it yeah. is, it, you know, it essentially, that that's who a speculator is. So right now, I don't. I mean, what would, what would uh, our, our genius professor Hal? What if you had to pay somebody, you know, twenty million dollars in pounds, December first? What would you do here? Would you just take a shot at it and say, "I'll buy them on December first"? Would you lock your pounds in here, thinking that they're going to go even lower, or, or uh, you know, what? Or I mean, because uh, if they go lower, you're better off waiting, right? If they go higher, you're, you're well, better I off think, grabbing them today. I think it actually can get worse because what's causing the dollar spike relative to the, the, the basket of currencies and these other currencies to crash versus the dollar. What's going on is in Europe, I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware of this, but farmers are protesting government policy because these European nations are banning things like fertilizer and they're, they're and the farmers are protesting because they can't grow crops. Uh, so they're, the, the European nation is creating a scarcity in things like fertilizer, which is going to create a scarcity in vegetables. And then on top of that, they've gone green with solar and wind, and they're having troubles with uh, natural gas and energy for the winter when it's going to get cold. So I think it's going to get even worse. So Europe is slowing into a, it, it is. I think it could be in danger of a really serious recession which means their central planners, their, their central bankers, have to inflate the currency, stimulate the economy to keep it from going into a real deep recession. Meanwhile, what's going on in the United States is we're doing the opposite. Powell's trying to head off the inflation by raising interest rates. And I think that's what's really causing well, sure this movement. So it can actually get worse. Well, I think that the uh, what has to happen, I mean, I, what has to happen? It's not going to happen, Helen, no matter how much you and I talk about it. What has to happen is somebody with, with like some octopus has got to walk into the Fed and he's got to take with eight arms, reach out, grab everybody's head and knock them together and say, you idiots, you cannot engineer prosperity by printing money. All you're going to do is make yourself look yeah. good for a little while. So if, if, if Europe's going to go into a, a – you don't want the money supply to drop dramatically like it did during the Depression here. But also – you can't just double up the money in people's pockets. It's like peeing on your shoe and telling somebody it's raining. I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're you're not getting anywhere by doing that. You, it 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 feels good for a while, but.
But the fact is, I mean, we like even here, we still can't figure out with the infl- with the the price levels where they are. We can't figure out whether a store is doing good or bad. Wait a minute, their prices are up fifteen percent and their sales are up ten percent. Sounds to me like they're doing bad. But we can't. We we we've, we've made our numbers that we put out even hard to interpret by the, by what we've done to the uh, the price levels, right? Yeah, if if uh, real inflation is fifteen percent and a store has 10% year-over-year increase in sales, they've lost 5%. Yeah. So if, if, if government inflation is reported 8%, that store is thinking they're up 2%, right, or whatever it is, uh, 10 and 8, 10, 8, 2%, right? So if the government's lying intentionally or unintentionally, I don't think it matters. If it's cooking the books on inflation, trying to keep make themselves look better than what they are, uh, then it, it's hard, I think, to run a business in America right now. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's real hard, hard to understand how you're going to allocate your resources, right? Well, and I, I think it depends on what industry you're in, and, and some people. And that, yeah. if if you were to ask me, I mean, I, nobody does, but if you were to ask me out of my all experience with inflation when I was involved in it back in the '70s and '80s, well, late '70s more so, I would say that the biggest danger. Well, <laughs> I guess it's not a danger if you're on the good side of it. The biggest danger is how uneven it is. Some people yeah. are fine with it because they have pricing power. Other people aren't. I mean, if you're Kimberly Clark or Procter and Gamble, uh, they've basically told you, "Hey, you know the the uh, the, the inputs to toilet paper are up ten percent. We've raised it fifteen percent. We're fine." Well, that's just swell. That's <laughs> that's sw- sweller for you, fella. I mean, right? Not so much yeah. for us. But what what about? Well, it's a switch. Well, the, we'll have to do like the, the Germans did in their hyperinflation and switch from toilet paper to dollars. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I don't know if it was as good as Charmin, but, you know, it, it probably worked, I guess, at some level. <laughs> hey, you know, you know, the dollar, you know, in 50 years, it won't be, car- it won't be called Cardi B. It'll be called Dollar B because they'll have to wipe off all those zeros. Oh yeah, I mean, have you ever got? Have you ever seen like the, the Turkish thing? You ever seen their, their, their currency or all this? Oh well, my, one of my students gave me uh, a Zimbabwe uh, currency, and it had a lot of zeros. <laughs> well, didn't they, didn't they do and that? It, buy, it might be able to buy you a cup of coffee. Well, didn't they do that with the, the Italian lira at one point? They just said just dropped the last six zeros or three zeros or something. Yeah, they, were, they did that with Yugoslavian money too. Remember, Yugoslavia had that massive hyperinflation. At yeah. one point, it was like quad, four quadrillion to buy a Coke that was a one dinar, uh, whatever it was, um, the previous year. I mean, it was crazy what the inflation was in Yugoslavia. Well, Once Russell, it starts, man, Russell just got back from, uh, Russell said in Australia, Coke's 350. Mm. Well, in, in Manhattan, two breakfast burritos that cost me $3 in Utah are almost $6. Well, see, you know, Manhattan's a, Manhattan's a, a dollar each. Manhattan's the weirdest place because you can walk in someplace and actually get get rifled for a hot dog. You get the best one in the world on the street for four bucks. Yeah. So at least they have the competition of the guys on the street. I never, I never, I never understood that in Manhattan how you know the rents and stuff for a restaurant are absolutely to the moon. Yet somebody can put. You know, three hot dog and hamburger carts in front of the restaurant and sell stuff on the sidewalk and nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting, too. And the other thing that's interesting about New York is they have all these office buildings that are vacant. Just buildings built in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, they're vacant. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if I owned those buildings, maybe I'd convert them to residential property 
and I was I was thinking about this, but you wouldn't want to if you own a residential building, an apartment complex for charging rents, or you own a condo, or you own many condos. I think you'd want to lobby the city to kind of like block that commercial office space from being converted into residential properties because it ultimately you drive down the rents that you charge for the prices that you can sell your condos for. And what I found was, there's a lot, I guess there's a lot of red tape regulations in converting commercial property into residential property. And what better policy in Manhattan than turn all those commercial empty office buildings into what people need in New York City. I, I think if there's a free market, that commercial, that empty commercial office space would be almost instantaneously turned into residential spaces and the rents would drop like a rock here. Yeah, you know, but you w- can't do that. I wonder what the, the... The incumbents don't want that to happen. Well, I... There's there's a few things there, and uh, actually one of the ladies who used to contribute to the show, her husband is a well, he he used to build high end houses. He's a he's a structural engineer, and uh, and he's done a lot of work in Manhattan. And he goes, it is just so hard with the elevators. And yeah. with the, you can't. Get, he says if you can get four hours out of your your people per day, you're doing great in Manhattan because of the mm-hmm. elevators, because of everything else. I don't know. There there's a place here. Uh, uh, it's Kitty Corner, Kitty Corner. What? Well, it's a South Side term. Uh, they used to have a, an office building. It was a you know B-rated building over here, and they had a bunch of good restaurants in the downstairs. Originally, they had a really nice restaurant down there. Uh, matter of fact, the, the the building is renowned. Well, it's renowned because nobody knows this, I guess, but a few of us. Remember the movie The Untouchables? Yeah. Remember the, the the elevator scene where they they killed the one guy and run the and ran the uh, and put Untouchables up there in his blood. Yeah, the, little, that, the yeah. little guy with the little guy oh, with the great movie. Yeah, the little guy with the glasses. The the guy was on the Untouchables yeah. team. That was shot in the the, Yeah, they that was shot in the in the elder freight elevator of this building I'm talking about. Oh, nice. Yeah, and they uh they, they rented the freight elevator and all that stuff. Anyway, b- back when the uh, changes were all still working and downtown was doing pretty well, they decided to take this kind of B grade office building. They kicked everybody out. You know the Billy Goats and all the other places. They kicked them all out. The place was getting rent on. They're going to turn this into one of these higher-end hotels. God, Carl, it has to be six years ago. And now they, they're renting a few of the hotel rooms as, like, studios or something, the ones that might have a, a kitchenette in them. The, the building is just dead, and it, it's never going to be alive. I mean, never is a long time, but yeah. I don't see it ever that, they, that you're going to put a boutique hotel in, in this area here. Nobody wants anything here. There's yeah. no exchanges anymore. All these buildings are empty. I mean, it's, like, it's almost like New York. I mean, it, it's scary. Hey, when we come back, it's like the ghost town. It's like the ghost town I used to live in, in, in called Davytown. It was an old, old silver town. We lived five miles from it, and there was nobody living there. <laughs> God, well, that, isn't that the ones they put some of the casinos in Colorado to bring those back? They did in Leadville. No, this, this is a this is a wooden ghost town, right? Wow. Like you would see in the old west, and we wow. lived eight mi- three miles from well, it. Well, didn't right? the uh, didn't the population of Breckenridge make it like under a hundred before they put the ski slope in? I think I, I would suspect. I mean, Park City, I think, was at one time just a mining town, and yeah. now it's like the destination in Utah for skiing. Oh, yeah. SP Futures up 50, and Futures up 185. We come back and talk a little bit more about this currency stuff. This is very rare, and it's, it's going to affect people more than you think. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You could reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, Stocks stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 50. Nasdaq Futures up 182. We're hanging in there. We haven't dropped here at all. Matter of fact, this is the highest we've seen it. We came in at up 40. So we're actually creeping to the upside instead of uh, fading it here. And that's kind of surprising seeing as we got to be a, f- a few people dying to sell after the last few days at a higher level, but maybe not. Uh, Dow Futures up 320. I have every single stack in the Dow is green. Uh, the only thing I have uh, red is NSC. That's Norfolk Southern. Uh, they're down a little bit, and uh, this and the transportation average in MATX, virtually everything else is uh, actually VIX is heading south here too. It's only 30.91. When we get back, we're going to talk to Hal a little bit about why the VIX all of a sudden, after the sell offs lasted a while, all of a sudden hit a breakout the last few days. Over in Europe, we got the DAX up 115. Now, these guys are all north. They weren't last time, they were not so much. An hour has put them to the upside. They're up 115.9%, puts you up 21.3%, CAC around up 50. 
0.9%. So bullish across the board there. Same way here in uh, Asia. Nikkei up 140.5%. Shanghai up 42, 1.4. This is the one. Again, another question for Hal. Hang Seng only up 5 bucks. Call that flat. 17,860. They cannot get moving. I think a lot of it has to do with maybe the COVID stuff or whatever it is, but uh, that, that thing is in a world of hurt. 10 year down 6 basis points, 3.82. The bond only down 1 now, 2.08. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.25. We got oil up a buck 21, but still only 77.92. Ran up a buck 40, 85.46. Natural gas up 6 cents. For uh, 6.96, again, way below the $9 of a few weeks ago. Uh, and we've got our Bob up 5 cents, 243. Gold with a dead cat bounce here, up 13.10, 16.46. Silver up 25 cents, 18.73. Copper up 5 cents, 3.34. We've got Bitcoin even rallying 1100 bucks, over 20,000 now for the first time in a while, 20,308. And we have the British pound uh, rallying. Uh, it's up actually up 118 to 108. Uh, it bottomed well. The, it got down to 104 the other day. Hopefully that would be the bottom, but you never know. Euro is up 39 uh, points to 0.96. Again, still way under a dollar. Uh, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports, Andrew? All right, it is 7.36 here in Chicago, Tuesday the 27th. Starting with sports, last night in Monday Night Football, the Cowboys came out on top while playing against the Giants in a 23-16 game. Now Sunday night in Major League Baseball, the Cubs played the Pirates once again, this time winning 8-3, and the White Sox lost to the Tigers 4-1. The Diamondbacks also lost to the Giants 3-2. Now tonight we could see the Cubs play the Phillies at 6-40, and the Diamondbacks play the Astros at 8-38. Now for Chicago weather, it is mostly sunny and most definitely chilly, as we are now down 4 degrees in the past hour, and now at 46, with a high of 60 and a low of 46. And in Phoenix, it's much higher. It's clear skies at 84 degrees with a high of 103 and a low of 82. Now for Chicago traffic, on the outbound Kennedy, an accident on the left shoulder near West Montrose Avenue is causing delays nearly all the way back to downtown. And thankfully, all the accidents listed earlier in the hour have been cleared up. However, the traffic has not. So on nearly all inbound roads, expect pretty heavy delays today. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. The, uh... Hal, I just, uh, I don't want to go head too deep into this, but I, I guess I can't emphasize enough how crazy currency rates going up and down manages to mess with people if you're doing it. And, and can, there even, can there really even be a business now of any, of any size that doesn't buy anything from overseas? I mean, or, or sell well, something you know, overseas? I think, I think what might be causing some volatility is something like what Japan's doing, right? So they're, they're selling off bonds so they can get dollars so they can purchase yen to create a scarcity to increase the value, the buying power of the yen and when they do that they're putting dollars on the market and when you, and if other countries follow suit they're going to, that might flood dollars into the system and cause a reversal of what's going on, right? Well, if they, so if they think, do it big I, enough I think the fact that the Fed is being so, well Relatively restrictive, right? Yeah. Being relatively restrict, uh, restrictive uh, relative to the EU and maybe Japan because the world looks like it's sinking into recession. So I think I think that creates this situation where you get this spike in the U.S. dollar relative to the currencies, and as countries try to stimulate 
as we're trying to be restrictive to control inflation, you might get that widening, and then these countries, you know, have to sell off U.S. debt so they can purchase their currencies, and then you'll see dollars flood into the system, and we're going to be pulled down with them. Well, the only the only thing there is... I think, I think it's just a really strange time. It's just a really strange time. Well, I, we've seen this before, you and I, but it, yeah. the, the thing about the uh, if Japan pours dollars into the system to try and protect the yen, essentially, they're really they're really pulling yen out of the system. So there's yeah the the net yeah. net the net net is kind of zero. It's not like they're they're just printing it and throwing it in there, right? It's not the same as okay. the Fed, you know, just just making it up and putting it in there. I mean, they're they're yeah. kind of trading one for the other. But uh, we used to, we used to joke back in a well, I think it's if the dollars. If the dollar somehow make it back to the United States, right? There's going to be a there, right. it's, going to, it's going to have an effect on inflation, right? Because what they're doing is they're basically competing with the Fed, right? Who's trying to sell securities and the Treasury who's trying to sell securities. You have these nations selling securities, us selling securities, right? Because we have a massive debt, so they're all kind of competing against each other. Well, we used to, to sell. We used to, you know, before the Fed. Was willing to go, you know, nine trillion dollars <laughs> and essentially get out the steamroller. <laughs> uh, traders yeah. on the floor. We had a lot of guys that the person I learned from was a brilliant guy. He used to teach at uh, one of one of the schools, but he has MBA from New York, Chicago and his law degree from Stanford. So you know, pretty pretty high end dude. And uh, back when the you know the Bank of England or the Bank of France or somebody or other, when there was a problem with the currency, and again the size of the market is is astronomical. They would go out in the morning and, like, the Bank of Japan would, would buy dollars or would, would buy yen using dollars, trying to protect the yen, right? And uh, at the end of the day, they'd, 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 they'd buy them at, say, 50, and at the end of the day, it's, it's 45. Because obviously, <laughs> you know, cause obviously they were totally unsuccessful, and people just yuck and yuck. And they'd say, yeah, yeah, well, they'd say they're, they're just like any other crummy trader, although they're using other people's money. It's the only difference. But, They're not using their own. Yeah, well, it's, they, that was one of the. There, there's a few phrases from the trading floor that, are, that were clean that you can use, and one of them is, "He has OPM disease." Um, you know what that is? Other people's money. The uh, yeah, it's a. But you know, it, I can't. I kids mean, get that. Kids get that if you give them a phone and you don't put any restrictions on the phone. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm sure. I haven't had the pleasure of that, but the. Uh, or give them the keys to your car. Give them the keys to the car. But you know, I just. I mean, without. You know, beating a horse too much. Maybe I already have. These kind of moves in currencies really, really affect people. I mean, I'll give you an example. My my nephew is in. A, I talk about him all the time because they're talking about they're trying to get people to help out, and all of a sudden, with you know some of the business coming back here, Chicago, which has been an industrial wasteland for the last God knows how long, all of a sudden everybody has figured out their machines need help. You know, um, even even you know machines that were built in the seventies and eighties now they need this part, that part. So all of a sudden now, there's there's a lot of business for anybody to help somebody expand. I mean, even you know even a conveyor belt is is a big deal to produce. I mean, you, look, you just look at it and go, ah, it's a it's a conveyor belt. Well, you see how many pieces are in the damn thing, right? And and the tolerances. Yeah. I mean, building building a big long conveyor belt is not easy. I mean, anybody who thinks it is has never tried to do it. Every every product can be traced back to Milton Friedman's uh, magic pencil story, right? Yeah. It. it you don't have no single group of people in a in a firm have the expertise to build the pencil by themselves. It takes a market. Yeah, 
and right. participants from all over the world to make that pencil, right? Same thing with conveyor belts and motors and bearings and whatnot. Well, he just was the international, uh, is it the machine tool show or whatever? It's held in Chicago every two years because it takes, you know, two, three weeks to set up. Hell, if you ever want to come out, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we can get you in. Oh, that'd uh, be cool. It is, I it love is, that because I'm a mechanic. It is really I'm a mechanic something. in the nuclear power Navy, right? Well, well, and I went, I went to, uh, I went to school before I got my PhD. I went to school, and I was finished my business degree as I was getting a certificate in auto mechanics. So I love that stuff. Wow, well, well, the, but this off, this stuff is all—they're all working machines on the floor of McCormick yeah. Place. So you yeah. can only imagine, you know, the tensile strength of that floor. Because in Pullman, we bought yeah. a machine, we'd have to build a foundation for one of these things. And they're just they're just laid on the floor of McCormick Place, and they're working. And these things, you look at them going, how heavy is Well, first of all, they come from Europe. They come from everywhere, Korea, you name it. And a lot of the stuff is, is pre-sold. You know, so they don't want to take it home to Korea. They want somebody here to take it to their shop, right? And you're going to get these discounts at the show and everything. And, and uh, you know, some, they have, it's every two years. And uh, they haven't, didn't have one two years ago, so it's been four years. And he, he said the show was two of their biggest people biggest exhibitors didn't even show but even so it was like 80 or 90 percent as big as it was four years ago which i think was a really wow. good success considering but he was but can you imagine though if if you contracted say hey hey joe bring this machine over here set it up and i guess and i'll buy it from you we're talking about stuff that's hundreds of thousands of hours maybe you know maybe the low millions for some of these machines when you talk about the control systems and everything i mean they're not all that that that, that expensive but some are and uh so the guy brings it over here, sets it up. You say, "Yeah, I like it," and then you know people deliver it to your place and wherever the hell your spot is here in Chicago or wherever, because you save on the transportation a lot. Uh, what what if all of a sudden the euro dollar is five percent different than it was eight weeks ago or twelve weeks ago or, or six months ago when you had the conversation with the guy? All of a sudden now he's he's getting you're you're happy as a clam because you're playing and yeah you're, you're paying in, in a. And Euros, he's sitting there going, wait a minute, I just took an 8% hit on this thing, and something I didn't even do. Yeah. But it, I mean, that's a big well, number. I, I, again, it can get worse, because I think as we, while we're trying to fight inflation, all these other nations are uh, fighting an oncoming recession that could be really, really deep. So it actually can get even worse, right? So I think that's where a lot of this uncertainty is coming from, and that creates the volatility, right? People don't know where to put their money. One day they're doing this, and the next day they do the opposite, and there's just a lot of uncertainty in what I think the European governments have gotten it so bad, and their central planning is so much worse than ours Oh yeah, that it's really bad in Europe, and they're trying to simulate right? That's why the UK uh, uh, Prime Minister is proposing a tax cut because they see that they're sticking in a recession, they haven't, been able to, they haven't been able to create that trade agreement with the United States because the Obama administration and Biden wanted them to stay in the European Union. So there's this grudge against the UK. They won't sign these trade agreements. So the UK, I mean, I think they're in a precarious situation. So UK is in a precarious situation. These European nations are, I mean, they're betting on solar, they're betting on wind. That stuff doesn't improve. That that stuff doesn't produce electricity at night. It doesn't produce electricity during the winter. Maybe the wind's blowing, but the sun's not out as much. And I think they put themselves in a really bad situation. They got a scarcity issue, and they're going to have an even worse situation with these farmers who are protesting 
they just really restrain their economies, and they're trying to stimulate out of it. As we're trying to head off inflation, I think it can, I think it's going to get even worse. Well, Alan, in the 12 years we've been doing Stacks and Jacks, I've only had, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm pretty much rolling. I just want to get people's thoughts, and if they're different than mine, that's fine. Because you never learn yeah. from everybody, anybody who thinks the same way you do, right? Really, you just, just kind of... Oh, no, that's the way you learn. That's the way you revise your opinion, by having your opinions collide. Well, the only couple of people that I had that I thought were really crepo guests, one of which was David Stockman. We had him one day. And all he did was, was tout his book, and the, the guy never has to take a breath. He never stopped talking for 20 minutes. I mean, the guy must, he must, have, a, he must have an input in his lung coming from his behind or something, but... Uh, and he just all he did was tout his book. I can book. see that. Yeah, and I can did, see that. And, well, the other guy, uh, Kathy, got this guy, Kathy Durbin. He was a he was a uh, one of the schmucks. What what do, what do they call the guys that are in the the Euro, European Parliament? They're they're for the European uh, Union ministers. Yeah, but they, they, they call them ministers. But I mean, I, I don't know what I don't. I'm not sure exactly what yeah. they do. I mean, I mean, Belgium and Germany and France all still have their own governments, right? Yeah. Yet there's and then a, they have kind of a federal. They have kind of a federalist system, right, where they have elected members of parliament, and they have the ones that are appointed by the state, right, the, the nation states. Well, I mean, but they have like it, a senate, and they have this parliament, yeah. But but in Belgium, then there's there's a European Union parliament, and I yeah. I'm not sure exactly like what they do. I think they make all the rules for commerce and all the rest of the stuff, which is I can't I, I sort of can't imagine that uh, happening when they all use your other you still got your other people doing your national stuff but anyway they, it, it somehow works or doesn't work but this, this is the time when you know england was voting to get out of uh the european union right so yeah. we get this guy on and he's from uh i think he's from finland or some damn place and uh and he god what a pompous ass this guy was i mean he, he worse worse than us <laughs> he's, he's like he's he goes the european politicians just didn't explain this to their to their citizens properly, and I go, what do you mean by that? Don't, don't get people get to use their own opinion? Well, they're obviously wrong, and they should stay in the union, and it just wasn't explained to them exactly. I said, well, well what if what if they just... If they could just mes- message it better, they'd they, want to stay. They'd want to stay, and I go, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not so sure about that. Maybe they, want, they wanted a, a common market, you know, maybe extended a little bit. They don't really want what you guys are giving them, where you're making them all the rules. And he goes... Well, like that's just absurd. Those people are idiots. I'm going. I'm talking. The more I talk to this guy, the more I, I said I know how I would have voted. <laughs> you know. Well, I think I think in Europe they have a different left and right. I think their left is more uh, international Marxist, and I think their right is more fascist uh, Italian style Nazism. I think that's their left and right in Europe because they have this this history of. Uh, monarchs, right, where the, you had the central kind of planner figure, and that's what their left and right is. I think in America, our left and right is more, I want less government versus more government. And no, those left and rights are different in Europe and the United States. I, I think that our, uh, that that might have been the definition a while ago, Hell, You and I could argue with that for a while. we got ten minutes we can argue about it, but I'm not so sure where where our guys are now. I mean, the, yeah. there, there's people on the right. I think the Republicans and the Democrats are both kind of on a, on the left side of a big corporatist state. I think they're both big government. Boy, I don't know. I tell you what, we the the big guys are running herd over everybody. Right? Who's ever? Whoever, well, it's a statism. It's a statism, right? And it's either tyranny or it's liberty. 
So I think in the United States we have a, a state kind of corporatist a group of Republicans and Democrats who are apparently pro-war now, right? Everything, everything involved with this war, they don't want to settle it. They want to use all these drones and these uh, missile defense systems, use them up so uh, these uh, defense contractors who are cronied up in D.C. can replenish our uh, inventory, right? Because all this stuff sitting on the shelves doesn't make any money. they got to use that stuff up so they can produce more of it, right? So well, we've always we have been. this corporate state. I read something this long time ago, you know, uh, that if you got, if you got, I'm sure it's changed, but if you got shot anywhere in the world, it was like an 85% chance you got shot with an American bullet or some, some ridiculous you know, number like that. It was, might not have been 85 Oh, yeah. I, I mean, but yeah, I mean, we, we have, we, we have bases in like 140 different countries or presence in 140 plus countries. So, well, the only thing is, is uh, the, minute, the minute we pull out, there's chaos. So there's not like there's no reason for it. Yeah. I mean, it's you know. I, well, what do you I kind of, I kind of, I kind of uh, like the in, in in New York. I have a different opinion of the subway now. I'm um, riding the subway. And I think most people uh, just kind of stay to themselves. They obey the law. They pay the uh, the fee, the fare, coming and going. Most people do that, and the, and then the media shows you the few people out of millions who are jumping the turnstiles, right? So I think most people just want to live their lives um, uh, and don't really, they regulate themselves. And I think when the media makes a big issue out of these conflicts, it's seeking out blood because blood leads on the news, right? Oh, sure blood, it does. Oh, yeah. The bloody stories pay for the salaries of everybody because viewership is up, commercials can be sold for more. So if it bleeds, it leads. So they're looking for the stories that create the fear, right? I think most people, if you just look at your life, for most people, you know, we just kind of live our lives, right? We don't need the government protecting us from most other people. Because on the subway, most people get to and from work with no problem. Probably 99.9% of people get to and from work with no problem on the subway. And it's just a well, few I little cases here and here. That are the problem. I, th- well, I think that uh, somewhere, and I'm not, I'm not a, God, it must be my Catholic upbringing, but somewhere along the line, there, there, there's, a, there's an order to this. You know, it's, it's just like, uh, you know, the order where if you give somebody money to use, they should pay something for it. I mean, there's, a, there's an order to that, yeah. right? What the price would be, I guess, is the market to tell them, not me, but the idea that you get nothing and like it is kind of odd to me. Uh, but Oh, no, I think, I think people in a... In a voluntary exchange of goods, ideas, I think both parties win. Yeah, but, win. but I mean, we had a, uh, some teachers in <laughs> high school, and one of the guys said, any law, before you pass a law, you he goes, the one thing you can't say is the law is okay because it will never be enforced. He goes, the promise of lack of enforcement is never a reason for a law, right? Because, I mean, if you, I'm talking about the, you know, the, what do you want to call it, the, uh, uh, the British-American law system, Maybe somewhere in the, in the rest of Europe too, but basically we're we're unique in how we do our laws. But I mean, any, any kind of a law that deserves to be on the books, in most people's minds, deserve deserves some sort of an enforcement mechanism. Otherwise, it's a joke. It becomes uh, nothing but a, a something the state can use to go after people individually. And not oh yeah, the, the state, the state. It's like regulation. Yeah, got, they, they issue all these regulations, and some of these new regulations violate older. Except you're 
satisfying the new regulation, you might be violating some old regulation. Yeah. And then if the government doesn't like you, they can come after you for violating this old regulation that was... That nobody uh, cares about. You, you had to violate it to satisfy the new regulation. So it, it's a way that state can persecute people that they don't like. But, I mean, if you if you live in the Chicago area right now, there is, I mean, I, you know, with all this, these new laws about bail and all, the fact is, if, if you were growing up today, I mean... Hell, I used to take the bus from the south side to a Cub game when I was 12 years old. My mother had no problem with it. Because no, 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 nothing ever happened to you. I suppose you could run into another 12-year-old who was a bleep and you might end up with a fight, but nobody had a gun or anything like that. Plus, even the fight never happened to me. So, But now, you, you drive the, the roads here, you look at the city, it's, it is anarchy. It is absolutely anarchy. Yeah. I mean, stop signs, blow right through them. But, I mean, if this morning, government, is, government is failing its primary responsibility. To prevent people from committing violence against other people. Wait, this morning. And I was listening to this thing on Fox Now where this guy was saying that crime is a white European colonial system. I'm thinking, dude, would you think the same thing if some guy drove by you and shot your kid? Next question I had for this guy, which I couldn't ask him, was does he have kids, right? Yeah. A lot of people that say this stuff probably don't have kids, right? And they probably don't walk on the street. But what is it if he gets shot? Is it a crime? If you commit violence against me, that is a crime. Yeah, I don't... I don't if I commit violence against somebody else, that is a crime. Well, I don't see... I don't get and that's the one purpose of the state. I always... I mean, as much as I'm a... Uh, everybody deserves a defense and everything, my right to not get shot is is greater than your right to go around shooting people, I, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's not the way the yeah, world... I, but just this morning... I think hey, one, we, of, one of the purposes of government is to protect people from the violence that others commit on them. And the state doesn't have a license to commit violence against the citizens either. Well, and e- I think either, that's a problem as well today. But either, you see the problems with the guns in this country. Okay, but, but I'm going to take, the, the basic deal is, is you say the, the you know, Marshall Dillon <laughs> on, on Gunsmoke basically told people, you don't have to worry about protecting yourself. That's my job. And yeah. the fact is... But that's not happening in cities. Like the, yeah, the fact is, Matt Dillon did the job. <laughs> you know? But yeah. now, yeah. That, I mean, anybody who thinks that, that you're being protected by any of the, of the law enforcement today, I mean, you're out of your mind. I mean, you, you're absolutely out yeah. of your mind. I well, mean, the politicians are protected. They have people. Yeah. They're surrounded by people with guns, right? Yeah. So they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't suffer the cost of their policies, right? They don't, they don't experience them. Well, my lawyer buddies last weekend, sitting there having an adult beverage, they go, okay, there's 35 shootings last weekend and not one arrest. How do we get any business? <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. how, do we, how do we get any business? <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there laughing. I'm going, it's, it's not funny. <laughs> I yeah. mean, well, last night, this, this hits close to home. I mean, you know, this, is, this is my last, uh, in the city, this is my last 14 hours. Yeah, well, I still I still use my uh, we only got a minute here I still use my mechanic on the south side so I drop my truck over there and my nephew picks me up takes me to work so I got to get back down there well I normally will just take the orange line to Kedzie you know hop on the bus you know I don't mind being on a bus my brother goes no nah, I take take the Rock Island I'll, I'll come pick you up and I'll drop you over there you get there by five thirty I said okay so you're on the Rock Island take the train it's a nice train and we get over well good thing we did because there was police activity there was a shooting incident at the at the orange line stop that i get off of so i would have been stuck on the rails like with no bathroom or anything for for like an hour and a half waiting to get off i would have not found my car 
place would have been closed. This is yesterday. So this morning, uh, I pick up uh, Andrew. We're coming in, and now these people are, for whatever reason, they're walking across the expressway. I don't know where they're from. The guy's honking mm. on the horn. They turn, they're walking down the expressway. I'm like, what are they doing? And there's this young lady. We see her in the morning. She walks to work along the same spot we do. She's probably happy to see us. At least she's not the only person there. This guy's making a left turn. He almost whacks her. This, this is wow. This, this is before quarter to six. Like, for the last twelve hours, these are the episodes that you see. There, there isn't a policeman anywhere. Somebody goes by 110 miles an hour on the expressway, they never get pulled over. Anybody without a license, nobody cares. You know, I mean, it is, it is total anarchy, and it, we wonder why we're cleaning up these, you know, these accidents where everybody's dead. And I, I don't know, I mean, but no, nobody wants it. On the north side, right through a stoplight, nobody cares. Stop signs, whatever. You know, rich people and discoverers yeah. blow right through. We, we somehow have gotten an idea that. We, I don't know how people are going to live together like this. I mean, I, I, I see... Well, what, hap- what will end up happening is people, when they see that the, the local police aren't doing their job, aren't able to do their job for whatever reason, they're going to find ways to protect themselves. Yeah. And then this 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 lack of policing in these cities is going to lead to people wanting to arm themselves. Which because they're the doing. the politicians are armed. Mary, the mayor of New York City is armed, not personally, but he has armed oh, yeah. guards about him. So people are going to just choose to uh, protect themselves by purchasing more arms. And maybe that's the purpose of this whole thing, right? I don't know. Maybe the purpose of this whole thing is to create a bloodbath, and so they can just strip away our Second Amendment rights. Well, it's, it's kind of good. Hell, create a crisis, yourself, right? They want to create a crisis so they can just take away that right. I love the fact that you're out in New York. You get, we get more human interest stories than we ever got from Utah. <laughs> Just saying. Well, I got more stories. My mother in law's having an issue with her teeth, and and I'm telling her about the licensing that's going on, and <laughs> oh god, or she the contractor and the licensing of the contractor. So if you want to talk about that stuff, I got some really great uh, anecdotes. We'll talk about that next week. But SP Futures up forty now. We were up fifty. Nasdaq Futures up one sixty. Still green. Back tomorrow. Stocks and jacks. I'm gonna be blunt. You know, I mean, I'm talking about millions of dollars. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.